when, when we're worshiping and our hearts are joined. See, Jesus said this, if two or more gathered in my name, I'm there in their midst. Now, it's interesting because we know he's with us. How many are believers? In Christ, how many are born again? Raise your hand again. Come on, I'm gonna raise your hand. Every this we're in class now, and and so you you have the Spirit of God in you. The Bible says your body's holy now. You're a temple. You know Paul's instructing the church, and he says, uh, don't commit sexual immorality because your body's holy. And and he kind of warns the church like you need to cleanse yourself from the filthiness of the flesh and the spirit. Sometimes we open ourselves up to certain things. But when Jesus said, when two or more gathered, he used another word right before that when he said, if two or more shall agree on touching anything that they ask, that God will answer the prayer. How many know that verse? It's called the prayer of agreement, right? We like to use it for everything. But if we don't understand the context in what Jesus is saying, it's kind of hard to fulfill that promise. And the word agreement is symphony. Say symphony. Some of you maybe heard me teach this a little bit, but I want to touch on it because it's so important that we get it. And it's so important that we guard our hearts from keeping our, our, our being oriented in this fashion. That symphony is where we get the word symphony. And it's when our hearts are actually joined and connected. That's why when you... Uh, when you get to know people and you, you start praying and worshiping with people, there's just like this sense of uh, anticipation. And you're like, man, God has been showing up. We, you know, we get together. It, it happens, the young people, uh, we get together and we just start worshiping. When we first planted the church, we, we'd say, hey, who wants to burn? We put it on Facebook or I'd send a text out. Hey, all the kids, who wants to burn? Come, let's just worship. And they'd show up. How many young people remember that? And do you remember the significant encounters we have with the Lord? I remember some very profound moments, but it was because our hearts were were directed at the Lord together. So when we are in agreement, He's there. He He reveals. I don't know how it works. I don't know if we're more aware of it or if, if somehow in a geographical location He actually increases His glory. It's it's kind of like the the mystery of the tabernacle. The the rabbis would teach that God actually increased his glory. And they they used a word for it, shakana, from the Hebrew word shaka, which means dwell. That God, his dwelling presence um, over the mercy seat in the the Ark of the Covenant, uh, right over the Ark of the Covenant, it was like this tangible manifest glory, this light that would shine over the tabernacle, that God actually increased his glory and, and when we join our hearts and when we learn the significance of this, and the, it's so important that we get this, that, yeah, God's everywhere. He holds everything together. I mean, He sustains every breath in one sense, but in another sense, we have to recognize when God is in the room. You understand what I'm saying? And, and we can't take that lightly ever. Don't ever, please don't ever grieve the Holy Spirit and take that lightly. I, I, was, in, I was encouraging and exemplifying and praising God for uh, the the grace that is on our house for worship and, and Pastor Chris and his wife coming here. It's been a couple years now, and uh, I, and I love leading worship, and I do from time to time. But I'll I'll never become familiar with that which is holy because then ungratefulness creeps in my heart. But how many believe we have an awesome worship team? And 
And I know we went a little long in worship, so I'm not sure what's going to happen right now. I'm just kind of just kind of listening while, while I'm talking. I'm listening. Um, and I have a word in my heart, and I preached it first service, but I really feel like the Lord wants to bring you into a significant, defining encounter with Him. His heart beats for you to come close. And we don't, if we don't understand the symphony thing, um, we're just distracted by a bunch of noise. And it's, it's, not, a, it's not a sweet sound. It's, it's not sounds that are all orchestrated together. It's, there's a little sound here, a little sound there, a little sound there. And God wants all of our hearts to be tuned. Are you hearing me this morning? He wants your heart. Maybe it's your first time here. Maybe you're not used to the exuberance of our worship. Well, let me encourage you that we worship, we believe that we worship the way God tells us to worship, which is with exuberance, with life, with expression. Uh, my wife, I love her so much. I mean, I, I love her more than I can express to you. I've been married for almost 14 years. We're about to celebrate. Come on, somebody. 14 years of uh, amazing marriage. It just gets better and better. Uh, but if I just tell my wife I love her from the inside, and like you can just tell by the look in my eyes, I know that I do give her looks sometimes. Where's she at? She's hiding. No, she's in the back probably feeding the baby. Sometimes I do give her looks. But th- my wife can't tell me, or I can't tell my wife I love her just with a look, right? I mean, if that's all I did, she would never understand my affection and how much I value her. Hello? Like, I understand sometimes God knows our hearts and we kind of worship and we're soaking, you know, and like, well, I don't really like lifting my hands or I don't like singing because I don't have a good voice. God wants to hear your song. And God wants you to worship Him not just with your heart, but with your soul, your mind, your strength. Come on, everything that's within you. So worship is uh, is an expression of what's on the inside. Like, we dance before the Lord so maybe you're not used to that kind of stuff but I I would encourage you to step in to to what the sound that we're releasing step into this uh, uh, this this thing that we're we feel created to do which is just to worship God and just to be with Him that's what the church is for see I have this thing burning in me and it's 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 almost a frustration and it's almost a a a concern I have in the body of Christ I'm concerned that we, in some cases, replace the presence of God for entertainment. And I don't like that. I don't ever, I don't ever want to do that. And I understand, like, churches, they do certain things, and it's good. You know, we, we understand our culture, but we're called to rock the culture. We're called to change the culture. We are culture shifters and changers. We're, we're called to disrupt and disturb the atmosphere. Come on. And I I believe that as a church, and I I don't say just as a body, and I'm I'm sharing my heart about the presence of God because I just want you to know I love the presence of God. And I will never exchange the presence of God for entertainment. I will never exchange. Are you hearing me this morning? I will never exchange the presence of God or for uh, to, to shorten worship to 15 minutes. I mean, you know, I understand we can do things on time. We honor our nursery workers, but... At the same time, I just want to be very careful in my heart not to not to consider what is so holy common. And oftentimes we do. 
And the Lord is, he's here. God is here. And if we just take a moment for the last eight minutes I've been sharing with you, God is here. Selah. It's the Hebrew word for just stop and think about it. Just stop and translate that and meditate on that. God is here. I want that to be a mark on my life that wherever I go, God is. I know He's in me, but I want His manifest, I want the fragrance of Jesus to just all over people when I walk by. Whether I'm in Starbucks or wherever I am, I love Starbucks. Who loves Starbucks? Oh, come on, somebody. There's a really nice one they just built on College and Horizon. Oh, I just told you my secret hangout. Now y'all are going to come bug me. I'll be over there studying with my earphones on. When I got my earphones in, I'm, you know, I'm worshiping, so leave me alone. But come, just come and have coffee with me. I love, I love, wherever I go, though, I want the fragrance of Jesus to manifest through me. Like who he is, just coming out, getting on people. My wife, it really encouraged me yesterday. And, and, and I've had a lot of people tell me this. And she said, you know, there's a lot of great mentors and leaders you have. And they have, they each have different things that they carry. But she said, honey, you, when you, what you carry is you carry the glory of God. And she said, you know, you, you're a little ghetto too. And I'm like, I don't know what to think about that. But thanks, I guess. And she's like, I bring the ghetto out of you. And I'm like, okay, I guess. But she said, when you talk, the glory comes. It just encouraged me. Because I want my life to be known for somebody that released the fragrance of Jesus. I, I want to be known as a house of presence. Not a house of entertainment. Not, not just a regular. And, and I, I don't throw out all the good things that some fellowships choose to do. I just know my heart is is that I love God's presence. And I don't ever want to consider that lightly. God is here. Would you close your eyes and just say law with me for a minute? God is here. God is here. You're here, God. We love you. We love you. We actually long for this right here, God, your presence. this corporate, this manifest presence when you're here. We we miss it, God. We miss it. We thirst for the living God. Our soul cries out. Our flesh longs, like David said, my flesh longs for the presence of God. And we keep it holy in our hearts. We keep our hearts postured to be a people of the river, a people of presence, a people of God that abide in the river and that that function in who they are as children of God, made for intimacy. Release love over people that are broken. Release healing over people that need wholeness. Release freedom to the captives. And it all flows from your presence. Fruitfulness comes from intimacy. So our hearts are postured to know you. We just want to know you, God. We just want to know you, God. Just tell them right now in your own words. Would you take a moment and just posture your heart? Just, God, I just want to know you. I just want to know you.
long for you. We love you. Daddy, we love you. God is here. God is here. Don't ever want to leave this place. heart is faint, God. I love your presence. I love being close to you. I long for you, God. Come and fill this place again with the glory of the Lord. Fill this house. Come in power, God. Thank you. Thank you, Papa. Thank you, Papa. We love you. We love you. We love you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Would you, in your own words, just thank him. Say, thank you, Father. Thanks. Thank you. Not a religious rhetoric. Just thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Not just a repetitive thing. Like, you actually can just say, thanks, Dad. I know it's different. It might be hard. It might not be your culture. But it's the culture that Jesus came when he taught us how to pray. Father, you're holy. Father, who it is, who's in heaven, you're holy. Daddy, God, our we cry out, Abba, Father, Romans chapter 8, Galatians 4, chapter 6, the Spirit in us, we cry out, Daddy, God. Abba is the most affectionate form of Father. It's Dada. It's your first spiritual word that you learn as a baby in Christ, Dada. like the Lord is doing something significant if you're hungry if you're willing the Lord is drawing you into a deep encounter there was a young man that came uh, he came up for prayer at the end of first service I really saw the hand of God touching him and, and it seemed like he had never experienced that before And there's something so powerful when you see someone encounter God encounter the Lord Encounter his love. Encounter his love. There's some daughters here that Papa's loving on. There's some daughters here that have been looking for somebody's gaze, for another man's gaze, or maybe a dad's gaze. And I'm telling you that daddy is gazing at you. His eyes are full of love for you. There's some daughters here. He's literally, his eyes are just beaming at you. You are the focus of his love. He absolutely delights in you and loves you. You cannot even comprehend for a moment the love that he has for you daughters. And he's healing your heart. are 
just opening to that, I, I want to ask the, the ladies, daughters, I want you to lift both hands if you can just sense the Lord pouring love in right now. Lift, lift your hands. As you're doing that, you're, you're actually expressing what's going on in the inside. You're opening up. So just let them fill you even more right now. Father, touch your daughters. to somebody with their hands raised, would you just put your hand on their shoulder? Just put your hand on their shoulder and just just say, Lord, just drench them with your love right now. Just pray some crazy prayer. Come on. Something you've never prayed before. Say, Lord, I pray for a tidal wave of your love. Come on, get crazy. Just begin to pray over them. Grace from heaven, grace from heaven, how he loves you. In the midst of every circumstance, and, and, and the circumstances, most of the time, all these negative things that we go through, God did not ordain them. And he sustains us with his love. He sustains us with his presence. He, he says, I'm with you. Though you walk through the valley, I'm with you. is doing something with marriages right now. He's restoring and he is uh, rekindling things. And husbands, uh, love your wives. Husbands, men of God, love your wives. Invade their hearts and lives with a radical, sacrificial love like Jesus loves the church. Do something you've never done before to express it. Amen? Amen? We've got one amen in the front row. Can I get another? Come on. Go on once. Go on twice. So to the congregation. Come on, say amen with me. Say amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Come on, just give him a clap right now. Give God praise. Thank you, Brooke. Thank you. I wanted to have my wife uh, come and pray, but she's feeding the baby, I think. Is she in the back? She is? Okay. All right. So, uh, man, should I dismiss you? Maybe. Let me just briefly share a couple things that are in my heart. Uh, Hebrews chapter 12. Open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12 if you have it. If you have it on your iPhone or Android or iPad or iPad mini. Anyone in here have an iPad mini? Raise your hand if you do. I think the Lord's telling you to give it to me as a gift. I'm just kidding. I'm totally joking. I do want one, though. I'm desiring one. Um, my birthday's... Oh, you know what? I'm so glad you said that because it's my birthday month. See, here's how I roll. When it's my birthday, I get the whole month. Somebody... Who was is, who is it? Addison, Paige's daughter. My, my daughter, Sarah, my oldest daughter, hangs out with Addison all the time. I swear it's been her birthday for like two months. Sarah's like, oh, she's having another little birthday get-together. Oh, like three or four times. I'm like, Sarah, if you want to hang out with her, just say it. Don't make some birthday thing up. And I told Addison, you ain't taking my birthday month. August 29th, take notes, write that down. That's my birthday. Accept gift cards, cash, any blessing you want to give me. 
a prayer, a prayer, you know. Actually, more than a prayer. Come on, somebody. <laughs> um, so my birthday is coming up, isn't it? August 29th. Yep, don't forget, Rochelle. I told you what I want. I want a bunch of gift cards to Guitar Center so I can... I'm a psalmist, baby. I got to worship. And I, I like to leave one guitar here and one guitar at home. So I need another guitar. All right. So I want to encourage you this morning with something that's been burning in my heart. Um, and, uh, and I believe that it's, it's, it's going to be an encouraging word for you individually, but also for, for where we are as a body and, uh, and where we are as, as the church of Jesus. Uh, Hebrews chapter 12 says in verses 1 and 2, therefore, how many know that therefore is there for a reason? So it's, it's usually a conclusion of, of what was written before that. Um, and so read Hebrews chapter 11 when you get a chance. How many know Hebrews 11.1 1 is one of the b- biblical definitions of faith? The Bible says in Hebrews 11.1, 1, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And it implies it's things that maybe have yet to be seen. And then he goes through all the heroes of faith. Read it. Let it encourage you. Um, let it stir up a fire of God in you of how faithful he is, how good God has been from generation to generation. He is a faithful, covenant-keeping God. Somebody say amen. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, he talks about faith. And I'm going to talk about uh, one of the areas I want to encourage you with, that, that we should be a people of substance. And so we're going to talk about that in a moment. But he says, therefore, after this whole faith chapter, I, I, I really believe that God is going to, uh, and, and maybe, you know, I think he's preparing us for, for what's to come. And we need to have eyes to see what's to come. And, and this morning, I want to talk about vision. I want to talk about where you're headed. Sometimes uh, we forget where we, we came from and we, we lose touch with the, the now moment and then we don't really know where we're going. And God wants you to have clear vision of what's ahead. How many understand that you have eyes to see? Actually, there's no such thing as blind faith in the kingdom of God. If it's blind, like the light that just went out, um, if it's blind, then we just need to open our eyes in the spirit. It might seem blind in the natural, but in this faith sees the intangible. Hello? Faith sees the invisible and touches the intangible. Say that with me. Say, faith sees the invisible and touches the intangible. We're called to reach into the spirit and pull and draw and release heaven into the earth. Christ in us, the hope of glory. That we are a people of God created to be a tabernacle, a dwelling place, a temple, not just individually but corporately, and release the fragrance of heaven everywhere we go. We're to be a people of presence. We're to be a people of faith, a people of substance, a people that carry the reality of something. And we need eyes to see. We need to be able to look back and say, Lord, look what you've done and and let God build on that. And then not get too distracted that we forget to live in the moment, but also look ahead to the future of what God has in store. Where are we going? Where are you going? Where is your marriage going? Where are you going with raising your kids? Where are we going as a church, uh, with the city? What has God created us to do? What has He called us to do? And we have to be able to see clearly what that looks like. So Hebrews chapter 12 says, Therefore, 
we also, since we are surrounded by so a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and every sin that easily ensnares us. Let me tell you what the sin is that I believe the author of Hebrews is talking about, the sin of unbelief. Anything not of faith, the Bible says in 1 John, is sin. God wants you to rest into the fact that you're a son and a daughter and rest in His faith and and allow that faith to increase and your heart to begin to beat with a greater measure of faith so that you can release substance into this realm. Amen. And so he says, lay aside that sin. He's talking about faith. The whole previous chapter, lay aside every weight, every distraction, the things that slow us down from running the race. The weight could be a lot of different things. And the sin is not just limited to unbelief. It could be the sin of uh, our hearts attached to wrong things, wrong relationships, addictions. How many know that we still have a responsibility We are set free, but we have a responsibility to steward the freedom God has given us. You know, I don't believe that you can misuse grace. What do you mean, Pastor? I don't believe there's such a thing as misusing grace. If somebody lives a habitual life of sin, they're not misusing grace. They're not using it at all. Because you you don't understand grace. Grace is not a cushion to fall on. Grace is empowerment not to fall. Come on, holla at a brother up here. You can't misuse grace, but you cannot use grace. So if you're not using grace, if you're not yielded to grace, then you will fall. You will stumble. And sometimes we do stumble, but thank God when I fall, I shall arise. Come on, Micah 7, 8. When I sit in darkness, the Lord will be a light to me. Proverbs says, a righteous man may fall seven times and rise again. Don't let me bust out a little Donnie McClurkin on you. We fall down, we get up. A saint is just a sinner who fell down and got up. Amen? There's something about grace that empowers us not to fall, but if we do, we get back up. We bounce up like somebody who's been fighting a while. You got dazed a little bit, but you get right back in the game. If you're on the sidelines or if you're worried about falling, then you don't know grace. You cannot misuse grace. If you're stumbling, falling, and, uh, stumbling, falling, and struggling with sin, you're not misusing grace. You're not using grace at all. That's a good word. Lay aside the sin that easily ensnares us. And then he says, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Let us run with endurance. The yes that you say to God is not for a moment. It's not for a sprint. It's not for just a small season. It's for a lifetime. The surrender, which is not an act, but the ceasing of an act to Jesus, when you give everything up and you die, you deny yourself at the cross when you are born again and you say, yes, it is for a race for endurance, not a race to sprint. Matter of fact, when we preach the gospel, the gospel is defined as Jesus is Lord. That's the good news and all the things that come with that. Lordship, the kingdom, the gospel of the king's domain. That's what kingdom means. When we preach the gospel, sometimes we preach all the benefits without the king. See, we love the kingdom, but the king, well, I don't know. There were some people 
that Jesus dealt with, they wanted to be fed, they wanted all the benefits of the kingdom, but they didn't really want the king. And so the gospel of the kingdom is one that is surrendered to the lordship of Jesus. Amen. So it's a, it's a race of endurance. So when you say yes to God, it's not to get you through four days until your small group or till next Sunday until you're in church worshiping again. God wants to put endurance in your faith. God wants to put endurance in your life so that you are a people of faith. Well, pastor, I just don't understand that. Well, you're going to get it. And if you're a part of this church, you will be a person of faith. Faith will leak out of you. Faith will overflow out of your words, out of your actions, because we are a people of substance, a people of faith. Amen. We have the faith of God resonant on the inside of us. And when I rest into my identity as a son and a daughter, faith rises up on the inside of me. I don't have to dig down deep for faith, but if I'm yielded to the outflow of grace and power of the Spirit of God that He is pouring out every second, every moment, it overflows and springs up like a well springing up into everlasting life. John chapter 4. John 7.37 says, If you're thirsty, come to me and drink, and out of your heart will flow rivers of living water. Your faith should not be like a well, but it should be like a river. Amen. We should be a people of faith. And it's a, it's, it takes endurance. And, and one of the things that we need to do to get our endurance back is not forget where we came from and not forget where we are now and not forget where we're going. We have to have clear vision to what's ahead. And we have to look back and say, God, you're faithful, and allow him to build on that. We have to stand in the moment and say, Lord, I am still surrendered to you. And then we have to look ahead and say, I'm pressing on to the upward call of God. My wife and I were in Yakima, Yakima, Washington, however you say it, whatever. We're vegans, okay? And vegans, praise the Lord. Thou shalt not eat cow. We're vegans and vegans, right? So Yakima, Washington is a small city outside Seattle. We're up there for a conference. It was such an honor to be up there. And when we came in town, we went to the hotel, and we had to hurry and get to the church. So how many know that it's a blessing to have an iPhone or an Android or smartphone or navigation when you're at a place that you're not familiar with, right? Who has a smartphone? Raise your hand. Okay, who wants a smartphone? Raise your hand. Just grab the person next to you that raised their hand and say, give me that phone. No, I'm just playing. So we're thankful that we have our iPhones to navigate us. But we go to the hotel, and then Rochelle's driving, and I'm navigating. She's got to drive, and I'm navigating. I help her out sometimes, like, honey, watch out for that curb, you know. Or I help her out, like, whoa, don't hit that kid again, you know. I mean, not again. So I'm, I'm pulling up the, the address, and I type in the name of the church that we're going to, right? And it pulls it up. So I'm like, okay, honey, turn right. And I'm following the navigation. I got my iPhone out, and I'm following. And then, okay, now make a left, you know. And then all of a sudden we pull up and Rochelle's like, this is not the church, honey. That's pretty much how you said it. And I'm like, it's not my fault, honey. And I'd show her the navigation. And for some reason, we typed in the name of the church and it pulled it up and it pulled up the address, but it took us to the wrong destination. So we had to adjust our navigation and we had to type in the actual address and not just the name, for some reason, it, it was confused. Either the iPhones broke or there was a demon in it. I don't know what happened. So we typed in the address that we came from and the address that we were going to, and it fixed the problem. Another time, and we got to the church. Praise the Lord. Isn't that a great story? We, go, we made it to church. Hallelujah. 
you guys aren't feeling me. Come on. Who, who likes to go to church? That was the point of that right there. So we made it to church. And then, uh, and then we're going to a movie. We were supposed to go to a movie. And we do the same thing. We type in the name of the theater, right? So we're driving. And, uh, and I think I was driving this time, right? And then you saw it wasn't my fault because she's telling me where to go. And, and so we're driving. And she's like, turn left here and turn left here. And then, you know, the navigation lady that mispronounces street names and stuff like Maryland, Maryland, and she sounds strange, like a robot. She's telling us to turn left here, and then she says, pull over and park and walk to your destination. And we're like in the middle of the desert. We're like, there's no movie theater around here, and if there is, I ain't going. This looks like a desert vampire town to me. They're going to kill us or something. So we're like, what the heck is wrong with this? So again, we have to look it up, find the address, put the address in, because we're relying on something else, and, and so we put the address in, and then we find our destination. Well, just like that scenario, sometimes we forget where we've come from and what God has done. We forget where we are, and we miss our current location, and then we, we miss our destination because we don't clearly see where we're supposed to be. And God wants to make those adjustments into our individual lives as a church, as a people of God, and as a body of Christ. I believe where we're headed as a body of Christ is that we, are, uh, we have a choice to make. We will either stay people of the presence or we will sacrifice the presence of God for entertainment, uh, for more people in the pews, and for other things, which I don't want. I want to remain a person of the presence of God. And I want to remain a person of substance and faith because I have news for you. Unlike a lot of eschatology, as a matter of fact, I, have, I got uh, like four or five tracks. You know what tracks are, right? Um, and they, somebody put them through the door, uh, I think it was like on Thursday. And they, I don't know, maybe they didn't know it was a church or maybe they thought that we all need to be saved or something. But they put a bunch of tracks in the door. And I'm reading and it's talking about end times and the last days. And it says things are worse than they've ever been before. And we know that with, by a, you know, a matter of fact. And I'm like, actually, no, that's not true at all statistically, things are getting better and better and better. Did you know that? Wake the person up next to you and say, things are actually a lot better than you think. Come on, look at them and say, things are getting better, not worse. That's a fact, Jack. Come on, somebody. The born-again rate is four times the birth rate. The kingdom is advancing. The church is growing. It might not look like it so much in America, but it is. And guess what? America's waking up too. So we need to be a people of courage and faith. Say, there's a cloud of witnesses that have gone before us. God has been faithful. And I know where exactly where I am. And we're going to continue to progress and advance the kingdom of God in our territory. Come on. In our region. I'm going to do what God has called me to do. Hallelujah. And when you, when you say yes again, endurance fills you up. And you say, I know exactly what I'm called to do. And that's where I'm headed to. God refines our focus. The, the Bible says in, he, in uh, Hebrews 12 two, looking unto Jesus, say looking unto Jesus, who is the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He reigns. So when we focus on the one who's on the throne, his dominion is released into our life. Looking unto Jesus. The word looking unto means intentionally looking away from every distraction and looking to Him. What's distracting or blurring your vision? 
for your future and what God has called you to do. Look away from it, detach your heart from it, and look to him and let him refine your focus. We're to be a people of faith, of substance, a people of the presence of God. And we're to be, be a people of vision. Say vision. I believe uh, you've heard the verse in Proverbs, quoted probably in, you know, the NIV or New King James, without vision, the people perish. I want to read it to you in the message because I think it's so powerful. And then I'm going to close uh, with a story, a short story in the Old Testament that I believe is a type of where we are right now. In Proverbs 29, verse 18, in the message, it says, if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what He reveals, they are most blessed. Isn't that awesome? When we can't see what God's doing, we'll stumble over ourselves. But when we attend to what He reveals, we're most blessed. What is the last thing God told you to do? And are you doing it? And does it seem like He's been silent for the last six months? And did you start doing something else? Because His silence doesn't mean He's in agreement with what you're currently doing. His silence might mean you need to do what He told you last. I know I wouldn't get too many amens on that. But God wants you to to look back and He wants you to stop and say, okay, God, what is it that you've called me to do? And I want to make sure I'm still saying yes. And my heart is postured with the yes. As a church, uh, we're going to continue to grow. We'll continue to take territory. But as a church, we're a pioneering church. We're not just a regular church you know, pastoral church. We believe in the apostolic commission and we believe in the wineskin of the New Testament that we're called, we should have many pastors. We should have, you know, the whole fivefold ministry in operation. We should be planting churches. And us as a pioneering church, sometimes we don't realize the price that's paid that it's, it gets a little messy. When God uses you to take from the invisible and to pull into the visible, when God uses you to birth something, it gets messy. How many can say Amen. And, and that's okay. I'm willing to pay the price. I'm willing to keep moving forward. But as a people, sometimes we have to stop and say, I'm going to still say yes, no matter the persecution, the obstacles, the slandering. It doesn't matter what takes place. I'm going to do what God's called me to do because I'm not just called to have a nice little church. We're called to change a region. We're called to go from the inner cities to the outer nations. We're called to release drug addicts. Come on, we're called to raise the dead, cleanse the lepers. We're called to do what Jesus did in the earth. We're not called to just gather. We're called to be an assembly, an army of God, an army that He's raising up, an army that He is breathing into, an army that He is reforming. He is reforming the army. And we are postured in position for orders. And sometimes we have to say yes in the midst of all that mess of birthing what God is birthing. Being a people of the presence, you're going to pay a price you won't be very popular. Amen. And then, and then the hungry ones come. And then the hurting broken ones come and they actually get free from addictions that they've been dealing with for 10 years. And then people come, that the pimps, the prostitutes, the drug dealers, the witches, and they are set free by the power of God. 
And everyone else in the entertainment realm of the church say, how come there's so much fruit? And we'll say, because presence is priority. Come on, somebody. The pulpit is not priority. The music is not priority. Presence is priority. Can I share my heart with you this morning? Let me read it to you one more time. Proverbs 29, 18. If people can't see what God is doing, they'll stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what He reveals, they are most blessed. Lastly, the story of of David, the champion. How many believe that we are champion church? Come on, we are a people. We're warriors that already have victory, and we're just evicting the enemy out of territory that does not belong to him. That should be your warfare worldview, by the way. The battle's won, and we're just taking the territory that is ours. King David, the, the... the warrior, the champion, this young man, this passionate lover of God's presence. The armor of Saul does not fit on him. He's a little crazy. He worships on the mountain with the stinky sheep. I mean, he's not, he was not one of the uh, selected as far as... They didn't even consider him to be the one that God would anoint as king. And Samuel's looking at all his brothers. He says, no, there's another one. And he's tending to the sheep. And so David is the one selected. And David and Goliath, everybody knows the story, but I want to point something out to you that is prophetic, prophetic revelation of where we are now, vision of where we are right now. And I want to talk about it for a moment. That when David, first of all, when he used the sling, that was not a standard weapon of choice. It was an unconventional weapon that released a new sound that took Goliath down. But the Bible says this, And I want to tie this into this message about vision and adjusting our navigation system in the spirit. That when David selected the stones, that he went to the river and he selected five stones. And he reached into the river. And in water, many times in the scripture, is the spirit uh, or the spirit realm. And he reaches into the river that is flowing. And he, he grabs five stones. Five is the number of grace. And and they were smooth stones because the river had formed them. And they were also most likely stones that have been uh, used in a previous battle. But there's something significant about these stones that, that in one sense, you're the stone because we're living stones. We're people of substance and character. We're also people of the river of God. We're not people that stay stagnant in stagnant waters, but we want to stay in the river. How many know that It's that flowing river that actually forms the rock to be smooth, to be that weapon of choice. It's called the refinement uh, and the, the, just the Lord and the Holy Spirit just forming and shaping our lives. But when David, as a young boy, had heard the story of Moses parting the Red Sea, or when David, as a young boy, he heard the story of, heard the story of Joshua crossing over the River Jordan. How many know that story that God said this? God said, in order to cross it, the ark must go before you. What does that represent? The presence of God must be priority. Come on, somebody. And so the presence of God went before them. They all crossed over. And then God says, wait, here's what I want you to do, Joshua. I want you to go in the river and get 12 stones. And David knew this story. Now, I believe that David was thinking about all the faithfulness that God performed to those he had covenant with from all the previous generations. So when David, uh, or when Joshua crossed over, the Lord says, I want you to get 12 stones. I want you to put them up as a memorial of how I delivered my people. 
Now, when David reached into the river, I believe that he was thinking of this. God, you parted the Red Sea for Moses, and I'm reaching into the invisible realm, and I'm pulling out substance into the visible realm. And he's thinking that I know this stone was used for a previous battle. battle. Whether it was victorious or not, I'm going to be victorious because I have a covenant with you. And he's pulling in the stone. And I, I bet you he was even thinking that Joshua set up a memorial with stones. And this represents your faithfulness. This represents, and faith is rising, and courage is rising in his heart. He's selecting five stones, which is the number of grace, more than enough. Then he goes and he takes Goliath out, and it only took one stone. He had more than enough. God wants you to reach into the invisible realm and draw out the substance out of the river, the substance of how good, how faithful, how victorious he is, and that you are the weapon of choice, that you release a new sound, that there is, you have a song, you have a sound, you have a voice, you have something to release in this world, and it's the fragrance of his presence. It's a person that is in the river. It's a person that's a person of courage and faith. And it's a person that will never forget what God has done. I think about what God has done in the last four years, and it just, if I stop and I begin to write things down, it blows my mind. I'm in the process of beginning a book that I'm writing, and it's, it's going to be about our significance in God's heart. And I'm writing down, and I have some stories that I'm using. And I, I was talking to my wife. I'm like, man, God has done some amazing things. And sometimes I've got to... I've got to, in order to go where God wants me to, to recalibrate my current position, I've got to look back and say, man, God has been so faithful. God has been so good. God has healed so many people. God has set so many captives free. God has brought so many people into an encounter with Him. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, all the heroes of faith gone before us, guess what? Abraham is cheering you on right now to walk and fulfill your destiny. Moses is cheering you on and says, you got some Red Seas to part. You can do it with the authority of God. Come on, Joshua says, you have some land that you need to take. Be a person of courage and faith just like I was. That same spirit's in you because it's a type of Jesus. And Jesus, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. God is wanting you to take that which is from the invisible and pull it desire. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It's substance and it's evidence. And God is saying, look unto Jesus who will finish this thing. He started it and he will finish it. Philippians 1.6, Paul says it this way. I am confident of this very thing that he who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen. I want to ask you to close your eyes right now. And would you do me a favor? Just lift up your hands and just begin to pray and just begin to cry out to God. Come on. Don't whisper. Come on, cry out, cry out. I dare somebody to just actually pray with passion. Come on, disrupt the normal church culture of passivity. Disrupt it with passion right now. 
We are created to make culture, not conform to culture. We are created to rock tradition, not conform to tradition. Pray in the Spirit and pray with understanding. That's what the Bible says to do. So, Lord, we cry out to you and we thank you that we are people of courage. We are people of faith. We are people, God, that carry substance. With our very words that we carry your presence. We're people that are abiding in the river, God. And we are people that will focus our vision. That will focus our vision on Jesus who is the author and finisher of our faith. I, I, Lord, speak to every destiny, every heart, every life. And I call you into destiny. I give you permission to walk in destiny. I declare words of grace to you. Words that literally empower you. Say, you can do it. Be strong. You're anointed. You're appointed. God is with you. Say yes again. Make sure your heart is postured in the now. Saying yes. So that you can be focused on the tomorrow. Of know, to know exactly where you're headed. Lord, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you. I pray right now for those that in the moment feel like they're going through hell. I pray for those in the moment that feel like they're in the valley of the shadow of death. I declare, don't be afraid. God's with you and you're going through it. You're not going to stay here. Don't look what you're going through. Look where you're going to. Focus your vision on Jesus. He will finish what he started. Be confident of this very thing. Let confidence and faith and trust rise up in your heart. Think about his faithfulness. Think about what he's done. He's going to do it again. Let your life be built upon the faithfulness of God. So I speak faith and courage to every person in this room that is going through the fire. Thank you, Lord, that without a test, we cannot have a testimony. So, Lord, we declare the f- you'll go through the fire, like Isaiah says, but it will not scorch you. The waters will come, but they will not overtake you. I declare Isaiah 41.10, fear not, I'm with you, says God. I will strengthen you. Don't be dismayed. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Don't be afraid. God is with you. I bless you. In the name of Jesus, I bless you with the reality that you are blessed with every spiritual blessing. You can make it. You're going to be okay. For those of you that that, that is just popping in your heart right now, what I'm, what I'm praying, I want you to lift a hand in the air. Just every eye closed. Lift your hand up real high. Lift your hand up high. You're just going through it. And you're not sure how you're going to come out of this thing alive. I'm going to tell you how right now. Just burn with with his love. Just burn with great fire. One of the reasons that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego made it out, because they were consumed by a greater fire than the fire of the fiery furnace. Be consumed with this fire. Be consumed with the fire of faith. Rise up. Encourage yourself in the Lord. Pray in the Holy Spirit. I bless those with their hands raised. Father, breathe into them. Breathe into them. I command the spirit of loneliness to come off of your people now. 
Let the widows sing, you are my husband. I just feel like the Lord is setting some for you. The spirit of the spirit of loneliness and depression and fear. That tormenting thing. I break it off of you now in Jesus' mighty name. No more. No more. No more. You can put your hand down. I want you to do me a favor. Nobody looked around, hopefully. When, but I, I feel like the Lord is pouring stuff in. I don't want to just dismiss service right now. I'm going to in a moment. Put your hand on the shoulder of somebody next to you. Would you do that? And even if you raised your hand, when you pray for someone, what's done through you is actually done to you. Just begin to release the love of God over them. And then let them do the same to you. The Bible says, bear one another's burdens and fulfill the law of Christ. Get God's heart for that person you're touching right now. Get God's heart for them. And bear their burden. Lift it off. Weep with them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Bear their burden. Get, it, get his heart and just manifest it and say, Lord, touch him with your love. Touch him with your grace. I lift the burden off of them now. I declare freedom. Freedom over them. Freedom over them now. Wholeness, healing, strength. In Jesus' name, he's in you. Just let him flow through you right now. The Lord is, he's actually, I can sense this purity that's pouring in. And some of you feel like your past is so defiled in many different areas that you it's not possible for you to be pure and you're actually you're actually completely deceived of your identity that you're a son and a daughter God is actually totally he, he wants you to understand you are pure you are whole you are clean you're not defiled don't be defiled by your past don't believe the lie that you're somebody else. You're a daughter, you're a son. I speak life, I speak life right now. There, I'm getting some very detailed, specific things, but I don't know if I, I'm, I want to be real careful about the way I share it. Just let the Lord just pour it out on you. The Lord's setting people free from pornography right now. I really believe the Lord, like he, your, your heart, you're saying, God, letting go of this. I don't want it anymore. And he's, he's breaking the chains. He's, it's, it's deliverance. It's deliverance. When you surrender, it's just, it's, it's power and grace. He just, he breaks the chains. He breaks them. Let him do it in your heart. And it's not just men either. A lot of times men struggle. It's not just men. The Lord is setting some free. It's okay if I say that, church. I just, I've got to voice it out. I declare freedom from that spirit of pornea right now. In Jesus' name. Break it off your people right now. Father. Purity. Purity. I feel like there's this explicit... Would you close your eyes for me just a moment? It's just easier for me to say this stuff. I get strange stares sometimes when I say stuff like this. There's this explicit sexual defilement in your past, and God is freeing you from it right now. 
I've got to say this stuff. I don't know who I'm talking to, but I know there's a couple people here. I don't know why, but I feel like the Lord is just, he's just purifying his bride. It's amazing. You felt that, Rochelle? He's just purifying his bride. It's beautiful. Do you know what he, he thinks about you? It's not just, it's, it's sons and it's daughters, both. He, he's so in love with you. Don't see yourself with the broken, don't look in the broken mirror of rejection or your past. Look in the mirror of grace. Look in the mirror that we have a new covenant and he forgot your sin. He forgave all of it. He doesn't even remember it. That's not just a metaphor. He sovereignly forgets it. He can actually do that because he's God. I know when someone hurts us, it's hard to forget, but God forgets your sin. It's beautiful. The Lord's healing some people that have had abortions, and God is just saying, I love you. Break that tormenting spirit off of you now. Shame and condemnation. You grow from it. Someday you'll be united with your babies. But don't let it hold you back from your destiny. Don't let it hold you back from your destiny. So, Lord, I declare over your people to be a people of grace and courage, to be a people of identity that know their sons and their daughters. Don't ever be held back. Whoa, Jesus. God is here. God is here. If you can sense his presence, I want you to lift both hands high. Would you do that? I'm looking around the room. If you can sense, yeah, he's here. I see almost every hand lifted. It's amazing. Breathe on your army, Father. Breathe on your people. Grace on your leaders. Every community leader. Courage, courage, grace. You're going to make it. Be strong. God's created you for an army. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Be strong in the grace. Whoa. Love you, love you, love you. There's like a, I just see a handful of people that maybe came in here, you either came in here skeptical or you came in here bitter and broken, thinking, I'm going to come to church, but you know what, I'm, I'm just, I'm not going to get anything out of it. And right now, I'm telling you, the Lord is, he's saying this, close your eyes, please. He says, see, I love you. And I'm healing you. And I'm pouring out my spirit on looking for your heart to say yes. It's real. He's real. Holy Spirit. Now, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, you're so amazing what you do. You comfort, you help. You nurture. Holy Spirit, touch those that came in thinking that, and now they're recognizing it. 
you're here. I bless them right now. In Jesus' name. Okay, here's what I'm going to do. I want to be real sensitive. I, I know we went way long. We usually don't go this long. I'm not going to apologize. I'm just going to dismiss those that want to be dismissed. Here's what I'm going to do because I really, let's please stay sensitive. Keep that worship going. I want my Sozo team, my prayer team, our leaders, be ready. I want to ask you to pray in the Spirit right now. Please, pray in the Holy Ghost right now. There are probably 10 or 15 people in this room that feel like God is significantly doing things in your heart. I want you to come to this altar right now. Either bow, kneel, or stand. If you just feel like there's, you just want to soak in this healing, in this freedom, um, some of the words of knowledge spoken, don't be ashamed. I think I covered a lot of different areas, so don't think that they're going to think I was that one. Just come up and just allow heaven's love to pour over your life. And I want to bless those that want to be dismissed. So as you're dismissed, I want to just invite those to come. And we're going to just minister to you. And we're going to just take time and just love on you and bless you. Father, I thank you for your people. And I bless them right now. Every person in this room. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you love someone before you go? And then please come. You need prayer. Come on, don't hesitate. Get up here. Don't hesitate. And we want to pray. I want to pray over some of you. Bless you. Bless you. Give God just a, a, a praise before you go. Come on. Would you do that? Thank Him. Just thank Him. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen.